Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. We are inspired by the words of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who said, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. This podcast is brought to you by Audible. For you, the listeners of the Do Something Beautiful podcast, with a free 30-day trial of Audible, you can get my new book, The Other Side of Beauty, read to you by yours truly for free. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash Darrow. Audible is Amazon's audio bookstore, and it has over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from. And so if you're like me and you like to listen to books while you travel, exercise, or cook, this is perfect for you. To get my audiobook for free, all you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash Darrow. That's audibletrial.com slash Darrow, and you're in. The Do Something Beautiful podcast is also brought to you by Haiti 180. If you want to do something beautiful in the world, but find yourself busy, possibly overwhelmed with life, family, or work, but you still want to donate money for a good cause, you can still do something beautiful by becoming a Team 180 member. Haiti 180 provides an orphanage for 40 children, two elderly homes, a school for over 200 students, and a medical clinic in a small village in the hills of Haiti. Now, many of the listeners of this podcast have generously donated over $26,000 to build the maternity wing of the new hospital. And for as little as $15 a month, you can sponsor an orphan. That's 50 cents a day, people, 50 cents a day to help a little boy or a little girl have a good and just life. I've been there. I have seen their good works and I continue to give them my time, talent, and treasure. And I'm asking you to do the same. Go to Haiti180.com and do something beautiful with me. That's Haiti180.com. Hey friends, we get to speak with Carolyn Spellinger today. Carolyn is the author of the website blog, Svelarella.com. She is also the woman behind the company Brass and Mint Co., you may be familiar with that. I'm definitely very familiar with it. I've seen it a ton on Facebook. I've seen lots of ads for it. I've visited the shop and I'll admit, I got so busy looking at her shop, I was late to our podcast appointment. How terrible is that? Oh God, I know. Really? Come on, Leo, pull it together. Pull it together. Well, Carolyn, we get to talk to you today. We're going to talk a lot about her family life, what's going on, and in particular about her son, Emmett. Emmett is autistic. And so we're going to talk about really what just what that's about for her and her family. Warning signs that she that she saw in Emmett, the diagnosis, what happened after the diagnosis, her prayer life, how she's kind of handled, how she has kind of come to peace with this and how they move forward today. Really beautiful. I greatly admire her and her honesty in talking about Emmett and talking about autism in general and what we can do to support and love and help. So I really can't wait for you to listen to it. It's really going to be fantastic. All of the things that we talk about, we will mention a few websites. We're also going to mention towards the end, some amazing women on social media, in particular Instagram for you to follow. I highly encourage you to do that. That will all be in the show notes. So make sure you check that out at the end. But without further ado, here is Ms. Carolyn. 
All right, friends, welcome back to another episode of the Do Something Beautiful podcast. We are here today talking with, let me see if I can get the name right, Carolyn Spellinger. Yes. Did I do it? Yes. (laughs) It's so awesome. Okay, now, okay, Carolyn, hello, welcome. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) Okay, we have been talking for the past 12 minutes prior to this, prior to starting the podcast, and we're just chatting and, you know, getting our story straight of what we're going to be talking about. And then we were talking about the shop that you have, brassandmentco.etsy.com. And we're sitting there talking. (laughs) And as I'm like chatting with you, I'm looking through your site and then I'm clicking on things. And I literally was just about ready to buy something on Etsy from, (laughs) from your, from your company. And I realized I, I probably should focus. Let's focus and actually talk to the author of this awesome art and your awesome blog. So before we get into all of that great stuff that I will definitely include in the show notes, Let's just introduce you to our listeners. Tell us a little bit about you. I love on your on your website, which is spellerella.com, and that's S V as in Victor E L L E R E L L A. First, can you tell us why you named your site, your blog, this? Yeah, I named that because I'm bad at coming up with names, but also because I have five boys and I'm I'm married to a boy. I'm the only girl. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the only girl. And at some point I felt like I'm like Cinderella and I'm scrubbing the floors, which I'm lazy. And I really, it's actually Craig who scrubs the floors. (laughs) Very good. And the boys pitch in and do a lot of housework for me. So really it's just kind of a play on the Cinderella name. I like it. Now in your about me section, one of the things that struck me that I definitely connected with was this line. It says that you are an attachment parenting, breastfeeding, co-sleeping, natural birthing convert. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds intense. (laughs) It does. But I'm with you. I'm like, check, 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 check. Me too. (laughs) Me too on all of them. Me too. So let's just, let me just stop there. I was really, I was struck there immediately, but why don't you give us a little intro to who you are and kind of what's going on right now in your life? Sure. I am a really rigid, (laughs) introverted person who this is how things are. I'm kind of a little bit Hermione Granger. These are the rules. This is how it's always been. And this is how we're going to do it. And so when I became a parent, it was like, all right, well, of course, the baby sleeps in a crib in a separate room away from us. And that's how it has to be. There was no other option. I could not fathom another option. Well, he didn't sleep and he screamed a lot during the night. And yeah, imagine that. And then we had um, my second son, Emmett, who screamed a whole lot. And the only way he would sleep was with me in bed. And that's when I'm like, oh, wow, this is a lot easier. And he's safer here with me. I can monitor him and I sleep better, but still very light. And wow. I also, with my, my oldest, struggled with breastfeeding a lot. I really had no support or anybody who had a lot of experience breastfeeding. And so he was only breastfed for three months. And then we went to the bottle. And then again, with Emmett, I tried like really, really hard and was able to breastfeed him for 10 months. And then for my subsequent children, they've all been breastfed at least two years. So yeah, just hard work and a willingness to let my mind be bent a little bit. It's really hard. My husband calls me, what does he call my head? Like 
a like a cinder block. But some if it's <laughs> so loving. <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> but if I like it does crumble. So and you know, to the benefit of my family, I do bend a little bit every now and again when I see the benefit of it. And all of those things I've changed my mind a lot about. Mm. Okay. So you have a pretty popular website blog, I guess, whatever you want to call it. What do you call it? Uh, what do you mean? Well, Savella it, it is a blog. Yeah, it's a blog. And I really haven't been very bloggy uh, since I had Dominic, our, our fifth baby. But yeah, it's just, it really is like a stream of consciousness thoughts. And really it kind of, it took off as we were discovering that Emmett had a special need, I kind of started blogging like he's got like he's not he's just having a lot of hard time talking and there's these sensory processing issues, I guess. I don't know what they are. And then as we were taking him for evaluations, I would come back and blog a little bit and just pretty much the whole journey is kind of chronicalized on my blog and it became kind of a sounding board for other people to say, wow, I'm glad that you wrote about this, I really needed to read this at this time. I'm having the same problems with my own child. And I didn't look at it that way. I I had never considered talking to my child that way, or even considering him, considering that he's having a hard time with this. Because Emmett, he did not, wouldn't speak, wouldn't say mama or dad until he was about three, uh, maybe four. It's hard for me to remember now. But that was really hard. It was really hard to to not hear your child say mom or dad or I love you. It was hard to get him to say anything or to even look at me. And so to for other people to read that and go, wow, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's kind of what it became. And every now and again, I have another baby and I post about that, <laughs> post about that too. Yeah, there are a few tabs on here that you, when you go to this website, you're going to really want to check out. Check up obviously all of them, but you have your illustration and your digital work that you do, which is pretty neat. And you can see all that. You also have my birth stories, which I love. I don't know if it's just like a mom thing, but I love hearing other moms' birth stories. I'm like, what, like, what happened to you? How did this happen? And then <laughs> yeah. you're just waiting for that moment. You're like, me too, me too. And you're just like that solidarity you feel in whatever little aspect. And then also the learning curve that you can learn from so many other different moms of what they went through that you didn't, but that you love to hear it so that you can just empathize, sympathize, whatever it might be. So you yeah. have that. I spent way too much time on that tab because I was like, oh, <laughs> I love it. I just had my fourth baby. And so I'm still like in that crazy, hazy world of, I think I might be okay (laughs) with another baby, even though I've had the baby and the baby's here and is going to be here, but you're just like, how can I do this? But that's why I loved reading those. But you also have another tab and that's kind of like what I want to talk a little bit more about what you're mentioning of a tab on autism and about Emmett. And I guess, you know, for people who are unfamiliar, it's definitely more common to hear about this now and more common on more you know, online outlets, news, whatever it might be than before. However, there's yeah. still a lot we don't know. I mean, like, what do people think life is like with an autistic child versus what it's really like? Can you address that? Oh, wow. They have no idea. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. I only mean that as you cannot know until you're living it yourself. Because I had no idea. I could not have imagined 
And autism, as we know, it is a spectrum. So each individual child is going to be different, more or less severe. Maybe the child is violent or self-harms or just screams really loudly all the time. Or, for example, Emmett went through a phase where um, he loved the movie Frozen and he loved the song Love is an Open Door. And so what he does not understand figurative language very well, he thinks it's literal. So he ran through the house all day, opening and slamming the cabinets, singing Love is an Open Door. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah. so as a, a parent of an autistic child, you, you're going through lots of intense emotions from your child. And it can be overwhelming and exhausting. But for me, anyway, things have gone through phases. So obviously, I, I do get time of respite. And I actually, there are four parents with any special need. They have respite services, I believe, where someone can come and care for your child and you can go and leave and get some rest and, you know, take an hour in a coffee shop or something like that. For me, I have my mom who comes once a week and helps watch all the children. Yeah. And it's good. But yeah, that's kind of, it's just, there's no way to know until you're living it. And it's, it's a challenge, but it becomes kind of a, this is our life and this is how it is. Yeah. <laughs> so talking, okay, hold on a second. What are the ages of your five boys? So our oldest Lexington is, he just turned nine. Then Emmett is seven. He'll, he will be eight in December. Then Colin is five. He's actually almost six. And then we have Jude, who is three. And Dominic is eight months old. Eight months old. Okay. Yeah. All right. So when we're talking about Emmett and autism, like what were the signs? And I, and you have all this in your blog too. I, I, I love that you yeah. kind of also organized it for the reader into before diagnosis and then during the diagnosis and everything after that point. So it kind of gives yeah. you an idea of what, of, of what that is, which is very helpful to be honest with you for a reader just to go through and be like, okay, I understand like where I need to be to maybe look at this stuff in order. But for, for you, could you share with us, like what were some of those beginning warning signs as you look yeah. back on it now that kind of made you think, huh, I, I wonder if this is something, but maybe it's probably not. And then those, I would imagine would kind of grow to an extent. Yeah. Well, the first thing was that he wasn't speaking and it became, oh, well, you know, every baby speaks at a different pace. Um, some children don't start to speak until way after they turn one year old. And some like my oldest, he was a jabber jaws, really pretty much out of the womb. But Emmett took a very long time and I would work with him, sit with him. Can you say mama, mama? And he just wouldn't repeat me. He wouldn't mirror the sounds I was making. Well, that's kind of a red flag. Other things, he would not self-feed. And it wasn't that he couldn't. If he saw a donut, he was reaching for that and he was eating it. But if I handed him a spoon, he would just throw a fit. And now I know that it wasn't throwing a fit. It was having meltdown. He probably, and this is just me looking back, was overwhelmed with what is this thing I'm holding in my hand? What do I do with it? I don't know what to do with it. I'm hungry and I want this in my mouth and mom isn't helping me. But at the time I would give him the spoon and expect that he would know after watching us eat dinner that you dip the spoon into your yogurt and you put it in your mouth. Or I would say, here, this is how you do it. And he just wouldn't. And 
this was at three, this was maybe around like two years old. He was not figuring this out. The other thing, which was the biggest red flag for us, is that he seemed to have a really high pain tolerance. We, I found him, I had been taking him to the pediatrician saying, I think I'm worried about Emmett. He seems to be kind of delayed on all of these things. What do you see? Do you see anything? And the pediatrician said, no, he's fine. He's fine. Don't worry. And he was thinking I was just an overworried mom, new mom. And finally, it was like a late summer day. He had been running. We lived in this old house that had a really old back porch, splintery back porch. He had been running on it. He came inside and I went to change his diaper, was kissing his feet. And I noticed in the bottom of both of his heels were like four or five splinters in each heel. And he had just been running and laughing through the house. I'm like, you don't, if you got one splinter and one heel, I don't know. I don't care who you are. You are not running through the house laughing. And so I was just like a terrorized. I'm like, how has he been managing this? So called the doctor and said, there is something that's not right. And that's when he finally said, okay, well, let's get him evaluated. And he was two and they don't normally diagnose until a toddler turns three. And it took us from that summer until, yeah, for six months of evaluation, seeing doctors, 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 to finally get that diagnosis. But yeah, those were the, the red flags. Mm. Now, was anything, did anything, was everything pretty normal up until that two-year-old mark or so with Emmett? Um, <laughs> this is where it might get a little controversial. So you judge, we don't have to keep talking about this. There was a change after he received a certain immunization. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of pretty black and white. He seemed normal up until a year and then suddenly wasn't making eye contact and wasn't babbling and doing all the things. But it's hard because under a year, the normal milestones are so just like, does a baby roll over from belly to back? And he was doing that. But then after a year is when like the bigger milestones come, the talking, the yeah, f- self-feeding and the playing back and forth with mom and dad. Those things after a year, we weren't noticing. So yeah, we had, we did like a double dose of vaccination because we were actually at that point living with my parents. I'm trying to remember exactly. And we had a family member who was sick with whooping cough, who still planned to attend the, there was a family event. Uh, it was like a Thanksgiving dinner. So I was like, okay, well, we, we have to vaccinate our child because I do not want him to, get, I don't want him to get whooping cough. And this person is insisting that he's coming. And so, yeah, I, I um, regret that, but that's when we saw the change. But I know that it's, it's different for for many, many children. Sure. But I mean, you are the mom of your child and you saw a change after a certain event took place, the vaccine, and that should not be discounted. I agree. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, you should. I I don't, I mean, I'm very aware of the different sides on this, on this debate, but there's just, you are the mom, you know, your kid and you know what goes on. And I, yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. I support you. Well, okay. So, so that's very interesting. Very, yeah. uh, very, and very frustrating. I mean, how did you now looking back, how do you, I guess, handle that and make sense of that, especially like maybe in your prayer life and what's kind of gone on from those things that happened around two and then kind of where you're at now, how has your prayer life been a part of this or changed or 
Was there frustration or anger? I don't know. I mean, can you kind of talk to that? These are hard. These are good and hard questions because it's really, it has taken, he is, he will be eight, eight years old and he was diagnosed at three. So it's been five years. I've had five years to mentally process this and it has taken every bit of that. Mm. Because when he first, when we, he was first diagnosed, our doctor told us, I see no genetic marker, even though there isn't one that exists, but I see no genetic tendency that caused him to be born with autism. And I remember asking, well, then what caused it? And she said, environmental causes. And so that's when I kind of fell down this enormous black hole of what I potentially did to my own son. And so you go through this enormous spectrum of guilt and laying in bed at night, feeling the suffocating weight of the choices that you made in ignorance. And, and, and I don't mean the royal you that maybe I made in ignorance. And, and the more and more I read, the more and more things connected. And I became a mad scientist every, almost every waking moment on my phone, reading, 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 science papers after science papers after science papers of what could have caused the domino effect that gave him autism. And there are a lot of things now that I know about genetic history that played an important role and probably what caused his autism. There's also, oh my goodness, the use of Tylenol. There is significant scientific data that implies that the use of Tylenol while you're pregnant, I used it simply to make myself go to sleep so that it, I had really bad restless, restless leg syndrome when I was pregnant with Emmett. So I would take that every night and then I would get up in the middle of the night and take it again to get myself asleep. And I have read that that can be detrimental if you have a certain genetic history for your child. And we were giving it to him before and after his vaccines. And there is science that says that that, is, that can be also detriment, detrimental, especially if you're a boy, because do you want to, <laughs> I am like a scientist nerd now. Uh, go for and it. I, and I wasn't. Um, there's science that specifically in boys, it affects their ability to methylate antioxidants that are necessary if you are receiving vaccines to filter out the adjuvants that are in vaccines. For some reason, and I can't remember exactly why, I think it has something to do with testosterone. Tylenol affects boys way more than it does girls. And that would explain why the kind of balance of more boys with autism exist than with girls. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So yeah, five years of reading, reading, reading. I, um, kind of came to a mental peace about it. And just like, I can't beat myself up over this. I didn't know. And it's not my fault. And no one else knew enough to tell me. And there are plenty of people that have fine genes and can do this without risk. But I have since learned that me and my family, it's a significant risk that I would not impose on my children. Mm. I can, yeah. yeah, I mean, I can only imagine what that is like for a mother. I mean, just being a mother myself, I mean, it just, it's so easy to say like, well, of course it's not your fault and you didn't know, but I mean, to sit there and think about being in your shoes, it's hard. I mean, although I still believe that and say it, it's harder to stay just because, you know, 
God, we love our babies and we're just trying to do the very best for them always, you know? Exactly. Exactly. I never, I just, like I said, I'm a Hermione Granger. This is what we do. We go to our appointments. We, this is how it is for the safety of everybody, for common health, common good. Like this is the rules. This is what we do. And yeah, my world was rocked. And then it was rocked by Emmett. Goodness, I was the kind of person who, when I saw a badly behaving child, I'm like, those parents have no control over that child. Like, I will never be that way. My kids will behave and they will march behind me in a little line like little ducks. And next thing I knew, I had this child who we get out of the car to go grocery shopping and I can't even make it into the grocery store because he's already having a meltdown. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so, mm. I mean, he completely, completely changed my world and, and how, I, how I view children, how I view what it really is to be respectful of, of true human dignity and just to not judge other parents because now I can see a badly behaving child and I can say, maybe he's on the spectrum. Maybe his parents don't even know yet. And I'm going to pray for him. I'm not going to say that's a brat and those parents have no control because I know that um, they might not have control and that's okay. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, that's just so good for all people, not just parents, not just us moms to think about and to do. And I think hopefully once you become a mom and, and Maybe you have to wait until your kid gets a little bit older than a few months, or maybe you have more than one kid to kind of really put that into practice. Yeah. But, because I know that even with one kid, it's sometimes just like you feel like you can handle it. And you're like, oh, yeah, this parenting thing, I got it. Why does everybody say that it's such an issue? I'm just fine. And my baby's only two months, and I'm carrying around my my little sling, and everything's just fine. And, you, and then you realize after you have like another one, or that your first child gets a little bit older, you realize. I am an idiot. I am <laughs> clueless. And yeah. I, I regret everything I said about every other parent in the world because it's, it's so hard. Being a parent is so, so hard. It's so wonderful. So beautiful. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also very, very hard. And I, and I think we're just really hard on other people making yeah. judgments of, golly, that kid is having a meltdown in the store. They're running around. They're touching everything. And if you touch them, they scream more. I mean, I personally have very, I mean, sincerely, I'm saying this and not just trying to be dramatic. I have very wild children. Um, <laughs> I hear people say, oh, my kids are wild. And I just stare at them and I'm like, really? Do you really? Because I'm not kidding you. I legitimately do. And I- Mine are feral. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like if your kid like, happens to have a little wild streak, like, well, good for you. Because I, I live in the jungle of wild children in my home. And I'm not exaggerating. This is absolutely true. You can ask anybody in my life. They're exceptionally wonderful, but exceptionally wild. And so while not on the spectrum, I deal with my own challenges at home and not comparing to anybody else's, but I deal with my own. And then you still have those looks, you know, regardless if, if yeah. somebody's on the spectrum or not. It's just like, why can't we all just get along a little bit more? Why can't we all just to support another mom or another parent by just being patient, waiting in line while their kid is throwing a fit or doing whatever it is that they're, they're doing? I'm constantly running after one kid or the other kid or trying to put <laughs> another kid. I mean, I've told this story on this podcast before, but in case you never heard that particular episode, my son... Ambrose somewhat recently in the past. Such a um, good name. Thank you. Uh, I like it too. That's why we do that. But um, we, pay, we almost had that for Dominic. 
So. Ah, such a good one. <laughs> such a good one. So with Ambrose, Ambrose is like I said, he, or not, I probably didn't say this yet, but Ambrose is the, he is the leader of the wild gang of, <laughs> of, our, of our house. My daughter, Violet, is the reason that we don't own anything nice. And Ambrose is the reason that we have no fun. So no. <laughs> <laughs> I say that tongue in cheek, but I'm also kind of being serious about it. too. Yeah. And if you're a parent, you're like, yep, yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I got a couple like that. Yeah. And so my, the youngest victory, he's too young. We don't know what his, his deal is going to be. And Agnes is the dictator. So oh, I love that name. Sorry. Yeah. I have name crushes on your children. Oh, I love it. I'm so excited. People are like, so people ask me like, what are the names of your kids? I'm like, Agnes, Ambrose, Violet, and Victory. And they're like, um, so, but, but what do you call them? And I'm like, <laughs> Agnes, Ambrose, Violet, and Victory. But they're nicknames. There are none. Yeah, I know. Those, those <laughs> are their names. I'm the parent. It's the only thing I get to choose in their life is their name. So anyway, yeah. But anyways, wild kids. I was just going to share that, you know, I remember this, this moment with Ambrose and me at this point, there was just three kids there. And I don't know if I was pregnant with victory or not yet, but (laughs) we were going to church and we, I was going alone because my husband, Ricky is a firefighter. So he was on shift and I took the kids to church. And of course, I mean, I'm not going to go inside the church because I'm not an idiot. I stay in the back because frankly, (laughs) that's just all I can handle. <laughs> so Yeah, we did our stint in the back too. Yeah. I'm in the way back and uh, I'm trying to keep everybody somewhat corral, but I'm also allowing a small amount of chaos to happen because I just can't control everything. And right. I can't find Ambrose. He's completely missing. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I'm looking in the men's bathroom, yelling his name, looking under these stalls. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There's a woman in here. And then I'm looking in the female bathroom. There's no, There's nobody in there. And I'm trying to find him. And I find him in the corner of the back of the church, peeing on <gasps> the canned goods for the poor for the St. Vincent de Paul <gasps> Society. And I'm, I'm at a complete, I'm so humiliated. I'm so embarrassed. I'm just, I can't. And there are people who are staring at me in church. Number one, they're doing two things that drive me crazy or three things, staring at me, like stop staring. All right. We've all seen pee before. I'm, I know. I'm sorry you're seeing it inside of a church and on canned can goods, but it, it's, it's just pee. <laughs> and then um, the other thing too is like, what drives me crazy? They stare at me. They're giving me looks of disdain. Like, how could you? Like, you were the worst parent ever <sighs> for this action that your other that, that that your child did, another human being. And then the third thing that drives me crazy: no one offers to help. No one helps. Yeah. No one helps. No one's like, hey, I can hold your other kids while you handle, you know, this. And yeah. so it, it's just, it's anyways, wild kids, crazy kids, whatever it might be, kids on the spectrum, any of the things in between, there's just a better way that I think we overall as humanity can do a little bit more to help in that process. Yeah, <sighs> for sure. It takes a village. It does. It's so hard. It's so, <laughs> like I said, it's wonderful and good. And if, especially if you're single and listening to this and being like, wow. This sounds more like an NFP talk, right? Because you're just yeah. like, this is all I need to like <laughs> abstain. But oh well, it's, yeah, no, it's good. It your is. heart changes absolutely. But there are moments of those challenges. Do you do you think, Carolyn, that the diagnosis for Emmett helped you or helped your family cope? Do you think that actually having the label, or do you think the label hurts? It helped us a lot because for the year leading up to his diagnosis. 
We just needed to know how we could help him, how we could proceed and help him to live his life to the fullest, just functioning in our household. And once we got the diagnosis, it was like, it was, I, I broke down in the doctor's office. Oh, they delivered it with such a coldness that it just, oh, makes me so angry. Yes, your child has a diagnosis of autism. If you need to, some services on how to handle this, we can do this for you. And I suggest that you get on some birth control. Thanks. See ya. What? Yeah, that's what it was like. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Wow. <laughs> but helping, it, it, it was helpful to be able to, there is, there was a grieving process. It was strange. There was a strange grieving process. You, it both, it broke both of my husband and, and me, it broke our hearts, but we knew already. We just, to hear, to, I mean, to hear that your child has a hangnail, is, <laughs> maybe not a hangnail, but to hear that there's something that is not, you know, what you expected, healthy, happy for your child to be, it's, it's painful as a parent to be delivered, to receive difficult news. So we went through a small grieving process, but then it was kind of like, okay, let's see what we need to do to help him. And of course, I was back to my mad scientists, Googling everything and, you know, what can you do? What are the other symptoms of autism? Because I needed to know what else is he doing that is going over my head that I didn't know as part of what is autistic. And it turns out there was, you know, he, a lot of repetitive behaviors, explained the opening and slamming of the cabinets and opening and slamming of the doors and the fact that he wasn't sleeping at all. He would get up in the middle of the, like 3 a.m. He would get up and leave his bed and wander around downstairs. And so we ended up doing for about a year or two of a family bed. We pushed all our, we were renting a house that had an enormous master bedroom, luckily. And we pushed a queen bed, a king bed, and a twin bed together. And everyone slept there because for my son's safety, he um, went through a wandering phase. And that's so scary. Like you said, you turn around and your, your son's not there. Well, for Emmett, he also had um, or has hyperlexia, which is a ability to read and a, an obsession with letters and numbers and words. And we didn't know it at the time, but as probably as early as two, he had started to read. And he would go, if we went outside, he would go hunting after cars because he liked to read the license plates. Oh, dear God. Well, yeah, you can imagine how dangerous that was. <laughs> and there was one time where we were outside and he was gone. And there was a pond nearby. There were fields nearby. And it, I could not contain the terror that I experienced and that happened, he wandered, I think, maybe a total of three times while out. And it's really unsettling, especially if you're with family that you love and trust and you kind of can ignore the kids and just really have good conversation with your sister, brother and, and family members and laugh and enjoy yourself. Well, with Emmett, I had to always be vigilant with him during that time because he would just leave. He would open the door, leave and go to the front driveway and be checking out the cars, license plates. Yeah. I forget. What were we talking about? What was the, what was the uh, original question? I have no idea, Carolyn. Okay. <laughs> we're just going. We're just going. All right. with it. I'm just too interested in what you're saying. I'm just like, okay, yeah, that's great. Let's just keep going. <laughs> no. Yeah. Sorry. I, I ramble. But yeah, he, we did the family bed because yeah, he would get up in the middle of the night and wander. And I can imagine probably at that time looking for things to read. And they have an issue with 
not, and I don't mean they, but some autistic children have a problem sleeping and settling at night. And he seemed to do really so much better if we were all there together and he would go to sleep and he most of the time would stay asleep. And so now he sleeps with his three brothers in bunk beds in their room and he does really well. So what is your, what is your normal look like now? Um, Normal. Okay. So I homeschool everybody, actually just our oldest three. Um, And this is the first year. Well, we're just now bringing on my five-year-old. He'll start kindergarten and kindergarten really. It's just ABC. It's so easy. But so we decided to homeschool for so many different reasons, but we decided to homeschool Emmett because uh, (laughs) at the time we got some had some bad experiences with the, we were going to go through the process of sending him to a public school with a special needs education program. And we started doing the interview. We did early, we had an early intervention specialist who we absolutely loved, who would come to our house, I think just once a week and interact with Emmett. And she would say, do you see how he's doing this? Here's what you can do. And it was so helpful. But when the program, the teachers came to kind of interview us and let us know what the program would be like. They were so secretive about it. And I said, well, can I come into the classroom and just sit there or look through a window or something and just observe and see how it is for him? And they basically told me no. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So, and one of the teachers came, treated Emmett like a dog, long story short. And was snapping her fingers and kind of doubting that he was even autistic at all and was questioning some parenting choices, like why he still had a pacifier at three years old. And I'm like, "This, uh, you're here to do an evaluation. Like what? I, I blogged. It's, it's, a, it's in the blog. And I, I don't mean to be lazy about that, but it's just a really long story. Yeah, um, totally. So we just decided we wanted to keep him. What we needed was help to have him function at home. And he had a hard time going out, being out in public. So we had, we needed help at home and in public. And I didn't feel like sending him out to a whole new group of people was going to help him or Craig and myself be a better parent at home. We, I wanted to keep him home and learn how to help him function at home. So we, we decided to keep him home. And basically took on the responsibility of being his therapists as well. And Craig really, my husband, Craig, has such a talent in that aspect with Emmett playing just verbal games and just also he just he sits with him and does all sorts of things. Yeah. So that's so day to day we homeschool. Actually, we don't start till um, the first week of September. Yay, us. (laughs) (laughs) It's loud. And I constantly have to correct Emmett and redirect him and help him be aware of himself. He's old enough now that I have explained to him, Emmett, do you know what autism is? I'm actually, I've like considered like maybe doing some sort of manual for him because he learns best from reading and writing down like, what is autism? This is what autism is. And it's not good. It's not bad. Well, it is good in many ways. But helping him to understand his own challenges, I have found are really has been really helpful with him. Emmett, I see that you're frustrated right now. You're frustrated because this isn't working the way you want to. Here's what you can do, Emmett, to to make it work. 
and he calms down. <laughs> and if I write down a list of instructions, he will go by that. <laughs> mm. And it seems to solve the problem for him a lot of times. It, it, we've been able to cut down his meltdowns by he just so much. I mean, he still has them, but they're very much short-lived. And as he's gained vocabulary and can speak and express himself, the meltdowns and his outbursts have really cut down a lot. So, so yeah. Carolyn, how did you, what was the process like in telling your other kids about Emmett and autism? I mean, how did, how did we, that work? Well, we waited. So my oldest is only a year and a half older than mm-hmm. Emmett. So we didn't say anything really until, goodness, I can't remember. Lexington was maybe six until I like realized, until I, we realized like we can have a conversation with him that he understands. And so what we said was, because what it became was I would tell, I would let Emmett do certain things. Like when we would go out in public, maybe even to a restaurant, we would let Emmett play with an iPad, not an iPad, like an iPhone. And we wouldn't let Lexington or we wouldn't let Lexington play as long as uh, for the same amount of time that we would Emmett. And he started to notice that. And so that's when we said, listen, Emmett has a hard time coming to a restaurant. The loud noises bother his head and make it hurt. And he cries. And so we let him play a little bit longer so that we can eat our dinner. We make sure to make Lexington and his brothers feel special in different ways. But they've come to know that Emmett has a hard time getting the words in his head out and saying them. He has a hard time with loud noises or a bunch of people. And like if we go out to the mall or something, I bring a stroller and Emmett sits in the stroller. <laughs> Large, long-legged Emmett will sit in the stroller. And at this point, my boys don't even blink bat an eye. Why does he get to go in the stroller? And I don't like they, they know now that, you know, it's too much for him. And I just yesterday, I could have melted on the floor and just in tears. Lexington is now he's nine. I heard him. I was making a sand. I was doing something in the kitchen, making a sandwich or, or washing dishes. And I just hear from behind me, Lexington talking to Emmett. Emmett had said, no, no, Dominic, don't be a bad baby. And all Dominic was doing, he's starting to stand and cruise kind of along the couch and Emmett's prized possessions are his books. And he was sitting on the couch reading a book and Dominic was kind of batting at the book. And Emmett doesn't understand that babies don't understand that what you're saying when you speak to them. And he doesn't understand that babies have no intent to grab your book maliciously and take it away. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't understand that Dominic doesn't have balance. So if you push him, he will fall over (laughs) and hit his head. (laughs) So Lexington was back there and he picked Dominic up and he said, Emmett, Dominic is just a baby. He doesn't understand your words. So next time when Dominic is bothering you, say, Lexington, can you come and get Dominic away from me? And that just broke my heart. He, He has learned how to speak to Emmett in a way that he'll understand and how to just, I could have just died. I'm like, oh, A goal of my parenthood has been achieved. Give me the trophy. (laughs) Give me the coins. I was so that makes makes me cry. That's so sweet. I know. I know. I've never. I yeah. I just like melted into a puddle. I'm like, oh, thank you, Lexington. You just chose really good words to say to Emmett. Thank you so much for being calm instead. Because you know, my five year old would say, Emmett, don't push, baby, and just you know. 
but Lexington just, he just knew. Yeah. So I'm just, thank you, Lord, for that grace. Yeah. Amen. And thank, thank the Lord for good parents like you, Carolyn, (laughs) how you, how we as parents love our kids and how we speak to our kids, that becomes their inner voice. Yeah. And that is so important to remember as a, as a parent, even though it's so hard and it's so easy to kind of lose our tempers and, and, you know, quickly just say something, but, but to be consistently trying to be, to, to speak truth and love and compassion to our kids. So that becomes their inner voice so that they can then pass it on as what Lexicon did with. Yeah. Uh, Emmett well, I'm telling people. you, I was not the parent that I am today before Emmett. That Emmett has been a gift in that way. I was, I am, I'm a harsh individual. I speak harsh words and I tend to, I lack empathy. <laughs> and so Emmett has given me the empathy that I lacked beforehand. Yeah. So w- without him, I probably would be a really cold Grinch. <laughs> mm, kids do really make us better people. Yeah. Really, sure. they really, really do, which is kind of probably quite telling in our world and culture today, which tries to eliminate children. And then we wonder why we're just as a culture, such a, such and sometimes bad people. That's definitely an overgeneralization, but why there's just so much hurt and pain. And you just kind of wonder, like, we just, especially through abortion, we've just eliminated all the opportunities to become better. Yes, absolutely. To come, absolutely. become um, more selfless. But all right, Carolyn, we are, we're slowly running out of time here. I am so, so thankful, so thankful for you sharing your life and your story. Well, we haven't spent a lot of time on, but I do want to mention, and once again, adding this into the show notes so that you can definitely take a look, but you have on, it's on your web website too, but you can also go to brassandmintco.etsy.com. And this is an amazing site of some artwork that you have here. I'm looking through it. Thank you. I pretty much want uh, everything and... (laughs) I love the black and white alphabet print that you have. Oh my gosh, I'm definitely going to get that for because we homeschool as well. So I'd be so cute in my homeschool. Yay, room. yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. And then I love this one right here that says the children's Easter coloring pages. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, oh, my like that. wow. I mean, there's so many on here. So I encourage you listeners to go and check this out. I will add the link. It's just beautiful, beautiful artwork you. that you can frame and put into your home so inspirational and they're beautifully, it's just great. I, 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 I really do. I love it all that you've done. You're very, very talented in this. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So before we, before we end, can you give us, can you give me and my listeners a challenge? Yeah, I, and this is the, I took this challenge on for myself. Also, I would encourage everyone to follow other moms of special needs on social media because most of us give glimpses into our life as a special needs parent. And it just, for me, it helped give me compassion and empathy and an understanding and just the ability to not pass judgment on other moms. I follow Mary Lenaberg. She had a daughter who passed, but Courtney, she shares a lot about her journey with her. Um, Shannon K. Evans, her son has autism. Sylvia Bass, she has a daughter with Down syndrome. And then do you know one Hail Mary at a time on Instagram? Kristen, she has two brothers with Down syndrome. Yes. And just following all these people and seeing them share the joy of having a loved person with special needs. It's eye-opening and it's just encouraging 
I was always, before Emmett, I was extremely uncomfortable around anybody with special needs, whether they were in a wheelchair or whether they had just really random outbursts, like in the middle of public. What is wrong with that person? But now I know, thanks to Emmett and thanks to these people on social media, just that they're human and they have dignity too, and things are different. And yeah, it's just, it, it's good to see the different views. And yeah, that's what I encourage people to do. That's great. And the ones that you mentioned, I will get the appropriate Instagram handles to, and I'll add those in the show notes so that you guys can Thank you. Uh, yeah. quickly follow those amazing women who can help us, like you said, become more compassionate and increase our empathy for others and for humanity in general, just make us better people too in the process. Awesome. Carolyn, thank you so much for obviously, I mean, talking to us here and sharing your life and what you do on your website and through Brass and Met. But thank you just from one mom to another, from another, you know, child of God to another, like, thank you for just giving yourself the grace to grow in God's love that he has for you. And thank you for sharing that love to your kids. And I'm just so thankful that I'm so thankful that you love your family so much. And oh, thank uh, you. Gosh. Are you crying? I am totally <laughs> crying. I'm not crying. You're crying. Anyway. Oh. Yeah. I just thank you for really doing something beautiful that I know that not enough people know about. And I know you're not looking for, you know, rewards or people to sympathize with you. And I know that, but yeah, we just need to, call out beauty when we see it in the world. And so that's what we're trying to do here on this podcast. And I'm just so thankful that you do it so beautifully and that you Thank are you. part of the body of Christ that we can all share in. So there, I said it. <laughs> Tears running down Thank my you. face. I, I know. I Aww. got through it. <laughs> oh, it's been awesome. And of course, I want to give a big, huge thanks to all of my listeners. You guys are wonderful and so amazing. And listen, if you know of anyone who deserves a shout out at the end of my podcast. I'm going to start doing that. I'm not able to interview everybody, but there's wonderful recommendations that I get all the time. And we're going to start doing shout outs at the end of my episodes of just other people in the world who are doing beautiful things. If you know of somebody, if it's you yourself, who's doing something beautiful to make this world better, I want to hear from you. And you can email me at podcast at leadero.com. Make sure you email me all and just put in the subject line shout out. And then I will know that that's what we're doing here. And then I will try to get to as many of those as I can and include those at the end of my podcast episodes. So there's that. Make sure that you stay in touch with me here at leadero.com. Lots of fun things coming up and new stuff happening. And then at the end of this year, 2018 and beginning of 2019. So pay attention to that one. And remember, remember, whatever you do today, whatever you do, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life do it in any way possible, make sure you do it. God love you and God bless. And we'll talk to you later.